That's the song we left out last week because we didn't have part of the words. So I wanted I wanted y'all to uh, sing that, and so I just carried it over a week. But uh, that, that's a great song. Great song. I've got a new song to sing tonight. Well, Charles Wesley wrote this song. It's got to be a good song, right? It's number 208 if you would like to look at in your hymn book. But uh, we're going to sing Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. those crowns Jesus amen and amen all hail the power of Jesus name
sometimes people tell me they don't like the new songs because they're so hard to sing. But you, you get into some of these songs like that last one and you're jumping low to high. And it's a, it's a challenge. So it's not just the new songs. Remember that. His name is wonderful. Your name is wonderful, Jesus, and we thank you. We thank you for going to the cross at Calvary and dying for us, Lord, for being our Savior, for being our uh, great high priest, Lord, who's interceding for us. We just thank you, Lord, for uh, the blessings of this day and for the blessings of life. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to come together tonight to worship to look at your word, Lord, and I just pray, God, that you would be with Pastor Scott as he comes and bless him, Lord, and fill him with the Holy Spirit. Let him give us the words that we need to hear straight from you, Lord. We just thank you and we love you, praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good evening, church. Turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. We are text tonight and uh, read a few verses about heavenly wisdom. How many of you need a guide from heaven in your life? You need wisdom that comes from above. Amen? I need that. And tonight I want to talk about it and talk about what uh, James says about the wisdoms of the world today in comparison to the wisdom of of heaven. St. Augustine said, the greatest good is wisdom. James chapter 1 verse 5 promises wisdom to those who ask. And in Proverbs chapter 2, we see that wisdom is seen as our protection in verse 7, our path in verse 8, our pleasure in verse 10, and our purity in verse 12 through 20. Proverbs 4 through 6 reads, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart remain or retain thy words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. We need wisdom, amen? 
And we have a source for wisdom available to each and every one of us. Let's stand together and read uh, James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. The Scripture tells us, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And the seed of whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Father, as we turn to your scriptures tonight, we turn our hearts to you. And we ask, Father, that you would fill us with wisdom. We ask, Father, that you would speak into our hearts. God, that every one of us would leave here knowing exactly where the source is for us to gain the direction for our life, the wisdom that you offer for our life, and that we would make good and reasonable decisions going forward. Father, so many things come at us in life. So many opportunities to, to make decisions. Lord, we need to make them wise. So, Father, speaking to us. And, God, I pray that as you've appointed us tonight to come together, you anoint me with your word to speak into your people's hearts. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. As we see here, the, the, there, there are works that are produced by wisdom. The, the question is asked from the very beginning. James says, who among you is wise and understanding? Now, if I ask you tonight, who, who in here is wise and understanding? How, how many can raise their hands? I'm wise, yeah, and understanding. Well, James wants us to have the source and know from where we can gain that wisdom and gain that understanding. And uh, James begins asking this question, and, and wisdom is, is described by the person with moral insight and skill in deciding practical matters. He has wisdom, and he gains that wisdom from one place. The, way, the place we gain heavenly wisdom only comes from God. It doesn't come from social media. You may understand some things by reading or looking at, at, at YouTube or some other form of social media that, that would help you understand how to do something in life. When it comes down to the main things in life, to direct your life, to focus your life, to drive your life, we need wisdom from God. And that relationship which we have with Him gives us the wisdom that we need. The climax in this is an answer to that. It tells us here that the, uh, the wisdom, the actions demonstrate wisdom, that we should have actions. It says here, what is this? Uh, I'm sorry, in chapter 4 there, verse 13 says, Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So you show by good behavior the deeds of gentleness. So that, that's, that's the action demonstrating wisdom and the attitude demonstrating wisdom. And, and there we see the gentleness. Notice that. It says, let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So there's, there's, a, there's that attitude, that, that gentleness, that meekness, if you will, the right use of power and wisdom is the right use of knowledge. And that comes together to produce an individual who is capable to be used by God and, and to flourish in the things of God. 
So it's not to be confused with uh, when I say the word meekness and gentleness. That's not to be confused with with weakness. Now it says power under control, and and it's used in the right form. In the last few weeks, we've seen godly wisdom and what godly wisdom looks like. If we just look back over what we've looked at in the last six sermons, we see that uh, we, we can experience godly wisdom. We, we can see it at play in my life and your life when we use, the, the right, use our tongue in the right way. We have, we have a tongue. It's, it's a powerful vessel that's within us. And we talked about that last week and how words can be so helpful, but how words can be so destructive. It's the strongest force that we have is the tongue. And it's caged. We should remember that. God set it behind teeth. <laughs> Mike reminded me when I got through preaching last week, he said, one thing you didn't say, I thought you were going to say. You got two ears and one mouth. You ought to listen twice as much as you speak. I agree 100%. That's very good. I don't always practice that, Mike, but I, I believe you're right there. And, and we have this, this wisdom that's displayed in our life, the actions of our life display wisdom for all the world around to see when we can control our tongue. James actually tells us if we can control our tongue, we can control the whole body. But if we can't control our tongue, then our body is out of order. So we see that. So that's where godly wisdom is seen, is in, in the tongue. It also is seen in faith that produces good works. When we have faith, in God, and our life is producing good works because of the faith we have in God, then, then that is godly wisdom at play in our life. It's also in not, not showing favoritism. We looked at what favoritism looks like and how we should treat all people with respect and dignity and love and, 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 and nurturing each and every person we come in contact with. Why? Because you're created in the image of God, and so is everybody else. So everyone has value. You may not, in your sinfulness, value other people, but in God's holiness, He values everybody because He created them. Now, there are people who are living in sin who God does not value their actions and their attitudes, but He values who they are because He created them. So we, we see that godly wisdom is displayed, heavenly wisdom is displayed in our life when we look upon people with value and respect and we don't, we don't devalue people. We don't, just because we disagree with somebody or disagree with their lifestyle, we don't, we don't do away with them. We don't run over them. We don't destroy them, but we, we love them and we definitely don't show favoritism. Another way we can show wisdom in our life is by being a doer of the Word. We have the, the implanted Word of God in our life, and as we live by the Word, then we don't just hear the Word, but we do the Word. That is wisdom at play in my life and your life when the Word of God comes in our life, and it so settles in our life, it becomes part of our life. Psalm 119, I've hidden your Word in my heart, O God, that I may not sin against you. We, we want to be so full of the Word of God so in the Word, so regular in the Word of God, that what comes into us is the Word of God, and what comes out of us is the Word of God. I read a verse of Scripture for you, I think it was last week or the week before. Out of the overflow of the heart, or out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We're going to reveal what's inside our heart. All you got to do is hang around somebody long enough. You'll know what's in their heart. They can only fake it for so long. Out of the overflow of that heart, whatever's going in a heart comes out. 
It's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's that which comes out of a man that defiles him, Scripture tells us. So we see godly wisdom at play in our life when, when, we, when we're actually being a doer of the Word of God. And, and the other thing, we understand, uh, understanding that the trials we go through strengthen us. We, we started out with that in James, talking about how we're going to go through difficult times. I'm going to go through trials. You're going to go through trials. As I look upon this room, I know people who are currently going through trials, who have been through trials, or who are soon to go through trials. That's just the way our life is. And in going through those trials, the way we walk through those trials shows godly wisdom or the lack thereof. And we should have wisdom in our life as we walk with God. It should be displayed in our life how we walk through those trials. James 1.5, I've already said it once in the introduction, I'll say it again, tells us that if we ask for wisdom, if you ask for wisdom, if I ask for wisdom from God, He gives it liberally to anyone who asks. God's not holding back in heaven. He's not looking down at your life saying, you know what, I could really help them out. And they just asked. But I'm going to withhold it from them. Absolutely not. He's a good, good father. And a good father looks down in your life, looks down in my life and says, let me abundantly pour it out in your life. So you and I have the resource of heaven and God who sits on the throne and we can ask him for wisdom, and he says, I will liberally give it to you. I will, I will pour it out on you. I will fill your life with the wisdom if you'll seek me. So we understand just from the very beginning how our life, how, how we can let the goodness, the gentleness of wisdom come out in our life, how we can see this work out in our life, and how we can be a real doer of the word and wisdom come to play in our life. But now there's another wisdom that's in the world, and James talks about that. Look at verse 14 with me. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy. You ever known anybody that was jealous? Have you ever been jealous? Come on. Sure you have. You understand what jealousy is? And here, here James is saying bitter jealousy. Let's think about that. Now, he's, he's bringing to light what earthly wisdom looks like. So it's, it's have, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. So in other words, if you're sitting there saying, I'm a Christian, I live by the Word of God, I live by the will of God, the way of God, I want to do the work of God, that's what's in my heart, is to do those things and, and be all that God's called me to be. But I'm telling you, in my heart, there's bitter jealousy. There's, there's this, not, not only is there bitter jealousy, but there's this selfish ambition. I want to rise. I don't really care who i got to stand on around me. I want to rise. So there's this selfishness, uh, this ambition in my life that's all about me, about me getting what I can in this world. And, and, and James is saying, huh, I'm telling you, if that's who you are, if you've got a bitter jealousy in your life, if you've got a selfish ambition in your life, and that's in your heart, don't be arrogant, too, and, and, and add a lie to that and, and lie against the truth and say, you know, God's living in me. Because there, there's another wisdom speaking into your life. You, you've tapped into another source. There's a source that you have invested in your, your, your life and you've allowed to invest in you. And it is a worldly wisdom when we seek out selfishness, selfish ambition, jealousy towards those around us. I'll tell you what, when someone else has got it going on, I ought to be able to praise God for what's going on in their life. I ought to get excited with them and be happy for them. I shouldn't look upon everything they've got and wish, well, boy, why didn't that happen to me? 
Why, why not me, God? You know, I'm over here. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Why can't you bless me like that? And get, get jealous over somebody else receiving something from God. Now you say that's easy. And it is easy for us to say in our context because we've got so much. Think about those that have so little in life. But when we in our life are driven by selfish ambition, by bitter jealousy, and we're jealous of others and things they have, and, and there's an ambition within us to get for our own self, uh, you know, I, I'm looking out for number one. And that's all I'm looking out for. If that, that's our, our, our thought process, how we process things around us, then, then there's a problem. And, and the reason that we would think that way is because this world thinks that way. And this world it would, would fill us. And, and the more you want to tap into the world and its wisdom, the more that you can gain from it. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, if, if we'll focus on God and His wisdom and, and we'll cry out for His wisdom, He'll fill us with that wisdom. If we don't, we'll be filled with the world's wisdom. We'll want the things of the world. We'll live like the world. We'll look like the world. And we'll ultimately become... Very similar to the world. So we see here that this wisdom, it's self-exalting. It, it, it's, it's a lie against the truth. And this wisdom yields always, this wisdom of the, of the world always yields eventually, and maybe not initially, but eventually, evil and disorder. It's, it's going to work its way towards disorder. That's what's going to happen. Earthly wisdom is not going to be in order, and it's not going to line up with the things of God. It's going to lead us away from that. So we see that here. And then in, in verse 17, 16 tells us a little bit more about that, where, where there jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there's disorder and, and every evil thing. So in verse 17, we see that, but the wisdom from above. So we've transitioned here. We've gone, James is telling us, hey, you can have two forms of wisdom in your life. You can have an earthly wisdom. Or you can have a heavenly wisdom, he says here, but the wisdom from above, that which is heavenly, the wisdom from above is first pure. So wisdom that comes down from heaven is much different than the wisdom that's filled in this world. Here, I want you to see, he says it's first pure. He lays the foundation for where what wisdom from heaven looks like. Wisdom from heaven is never impure. It's never discolored. It's never off. As far as Scripture goes, if it's wisdom from above, it will line up with the Word of God and the will of God. It will never go against the Word of God or the will of God if it's heavenly wisdom. If you're, if you're being guided, say, Scott, Pastor, uh, Brother, I'm being led in this direction. I've, I feel led of God. I feel, I've prayed for wisdom in this decision, and I feel led of God to go in this direction. I'm going to tell you, if your direction that you're telling me you feel you're being led of God is against the will of God or the Word of God, you may think it's in the will of God, but if it's against the Word of God, it's against the will of God. And you've been misdirected. The heavenly wisdom is not what is filling your life, but the worldly wisdom. And we see that. Church, hear me now. We see that so available in our world today. We see people. I've had people tell me, well, brother, my lifestyle might not be approved by you, but me and God are all right with it. Well, the earth has been all right with you. The earthly wisdom, the, the worldly wisdom, those around you, social media, your, your, your best friends, your posts and all that are okay with it. But I'm telling you, God's Word says no. When thus saith the Lord is put before us and we start manipulating the Word of God, we miss the will of God. 
So here we see there's a heavenly wisdom, there's an earthly wisdom, and this heavenly wisdom that we're seeking is first pure. God's wisdom is pure. Why? Because God is pure. It lines up with His very nature. You think about the nature of God. God is perfect. God is pure. There's nothing impure about the God who created this world. He is a pure God. So in other words, His wisdom, that which He gives you, that which He offers you freely, is going to come in the form of purity. It's always going to be pure. And it'll never have a blemish. It's going to be based on His holiness. It's not going to have defilement. It's going to be transparent. It's going to be clear. There's no hidden motives with God's wisdom. It's never mixed with evil. God's wisdom leads me and it leads you consistently to purity. So it's first pure. I think we always need to remember that. The wisdom of God is always going to be pure. It's going to line up with the Word of God. It's going, to, it's going to be pure and perfect, just like He is. So I'm going to gain, when I'm asking for heavenly wisdom, I'm going to gain direction from purity. That's where my direction is going to come from. So we see that. And then he says, next, he says, so it's, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. So after being pure, let's, let's make that as the, the foundation of what, earth, what heavenly wisdom is, and, and not earthly wisdom, but heavenly wisdom is going to be first pure. That's the foundation we're going to build on. Then comes these other things. Then comes the first part that he talks about there is peaceable. So, so this begins the list of continuing uh, um, qualities that we're going to see. And I tell you, when you read these, I, I was reading through them earlier this week, and I, I love the fruits of the Spirit and thinking through the fruits of the Spirit because I, I know that I want the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is available to all of us. When we have the Holy Spirit living within us, the fruit of the Spirit is available to us. We should be growing in the fruit of the Spirit, every one of us. I should grow more in the fruit of the Spirit. You ought to see my life changing and being transformed to look more like the fruit of the Spirit. I ought to have more love, more joy, more peace, more patience. More kindness, more gentleness, more faithfulness, more self-control. I should be able to handle myself better as I grow in the relationship with Christ Jesus. And the wisdom that He gives me and, and fills my life with, I should be growing in His likeness. Now, I see the fruit of the Spirit as something that I should long for, I should seek in my life, I should want to have some benchmarks and weigh my life, but I also see not only the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of wisdom. And in these, there's, there's several characteristics here that I'm going to walk through tonight. After first pure, there's other things that we see here that James lays out for that would I believe could be seen as the fruit of wisdom, what, what wisdom's going to look like. He says it's peaceable. That means there's no hostility in the wisdom from God. God's not going to lead you to be hostile towards others around you or Him. It's going to bring a peace to us. And that peace is going to fill us and complete us. And, and, and that peace loving, if you will, that, that we will have in our life that contrasts that bitter spirit that he was talking about from the earthly wisdom. So in, in contrast to bitter spirit, we're going to have a peaceable spirit, a loving spirit that comes within us. And, and that's because God is filling us. And it's coming from him and it's first pure. So peace and purity go hand in hand. You're not going to have purity without having peace. And you don't have peace without having purity. Can I just tell you, you can't shortcut 
life and get peace without having purity in your life. You've got to have purity in your life. And how do we gain purity? Where does purity come from? It comes from God. Where, where does peace come from? It comes from God. What is Jesus? In the Bible, he's described as what? The Prince of Peace. I'll, I'll forever remember it. It'll be something indelibly marked in my mind and heart. I don't know where Greg got it from, but Greg Steves, when he was the chairman of Deacons last year, at the very beginning of his, his term, he said, we have longed for world peace. And you hear a lot of people talking about, man, I want world peace. I wish we could have world peace, world peace, world peace. And, and there will never be world peace because the world has rejected the Prince of Peace. And when you reject the Prince of Peace, you have no longer available to you world peace. Until the world accepts the Prince of Peace, there'll be no world peace. So we can't have it. It's, it's un, unattainable as a world in whole. But I'm telling you, for me, for you, for those who long to live for Jesus, <laughs> peace is available to you because the Prince of Peace can reside and rule in your life. And, and when the Prince of Peace is in your life, you have peace. So Christ is the Prince of Peace. And, and we need to be peaceable in, in our lives. And the wisdom that we get from heaven brings that peace into our life. John White said this, This peace will stand out in the world. Peace is a kind of lighthouse in the midst of a storm. Winds shriek, waves crash, and lightning flickers all around it. But inside the children are playing while the parents go about their work. They may look out the window and marvel at the power powers that rage around them, but they have peace. It's the peace of knowing that the strength that surrounds them is stronger than the storm that surrounds them. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we, we, ha we can have that kind of peace in our life, knowing that the, the, the storm that is around us is not as strong as the God who surrounds us. We can have that kind of peace in our life. So when we have wisdom from above, when we call upon God for wisdom, it's first pure and then peaceable. It brings peace into our lives. He goes on and says, after peaceable, he says it's gentle. So the, the, the wisdom from above brings gentleness to us, forbearing, reasonable, considerate, yielding to others, having a spirit of fairness and compassion. Gentleness is a characteristic of a servant. You won't ever see a servant that's not gentle. just won't see it. So if we're going to be servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Paul says, I am a bond slave, a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to be a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're going to have to have a, a spirit within us that is, that is peaceable, a spirit within us that is also seeking to continually be gentle. Gentleness is a characteristic, as I said, of a servant. And in Titus 3, 2, it says, Paul instructs Titus to be gentle. In 2 Timothy 2.24, Paul instructs Timothy to be gentle. In 2 Corinthians 10.1, Paul spoke of the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. So if Christ our Savior, and I believe we would all agree in this room tonight, if Christ our Savior was gentle, we ought to be gentle as well. So the wisdom from above that we seek with all of our heart, and we ask God to give to us and to guide our lives and, and to base our life on that wisdom that we're seeking from Him is going to be first pure, peaceable, and gentle. And, and the result of having this kind of wisdom in our life, as we walk in that wisdom, we're going to be pure, we're going to be peaceable, and we're going to be gentle with those that we deal with. 
So that, that happens in our life. And then, then he says, after gentle, he says reasonable. You ever met anybody that was unreasonable? You've never, did. You've never met them, have you? I'm the only one that's met people that are unreasonable. Sure you have. You're all nodding your head. Yes, I've met people that are unreasonable. I, have you ever been unreasonable? Sure you have. <laughs> I, I've been unreasonable before. Uh, ask my kids. <laughs> They'll tell you. Dad's unreasonable at times. But we're to be reasonable. The wisdom from God positions us where we can be reasonable in our dealings with other people. It's a military term. That, that word that's used there in the Greek is a military term, meaning being willing to take instruction, come under the authority of. A person who is reasonable in, in their heart, that is wise and has reason in their life, will come under the authority of somebody. And the, and the first person we come under authority... The first person I come under authority to is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He's King Jesus. I come under His authority. I may tell you from time to time, I'm the shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ for the place that I serve at First Baptist Church, Cookville, Tennessee. But I'm not the shepherd of this body. I'm the under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ. I come under Him. I'm under His authority. I'm reasonable in that. I'm not, I'm not ruling. I'm reasonable. He's ruling. I'm, I'm reasonable. But he's reasonable in his ruling. So I come under that. And the spirit of wisdom that comes from above brings me and brings you to a place of being reasonable. The next thing we see is it walks through there reasonable. It says full of mercy and good fruits. So we have this wisdom from above that's full of mercy. It, it, it's full of compassion and concern for others. The spirit of concern that seeks to provide it is how God deals with us even though we don't deserve it. We gain mercy from God. God is very merciful in His dealing with us. Would you say that you've experienced the mercy of God? I've experienced the mercy of God. God's been merciful to me. Oh, many times I've disappointed God. Many times God could have just, a, He could have annihilated me. I, I was worthy of death, but God had mercy on me. His grace was poured out on my life. And we see that the wisdom that we get from God is that wisdom that comes from God is full of mercy. It gives us, it positions us, it places us in an environment where not only are we receiving mercy and understanding of the mercy we receive, but then we, we carry that mercy out in our life. And I'm, I'm a person who gives mercy because I understand the mercy that's been given to me. The wisdom of God that I walk in should be increasing understanding that I have wisdom from God, and that wisdom gave me mercy. He gave me mercy. Therefore, I should be a person who extends mercy to others. So that mercy, that attitude, uh, mercy is the attitude, and good fruits is the, uh, the action. So you saw there, he said, full of mercy and good fruits. So we've got the attitude mixed with the action. The good fruit is the action. Mercy never produces, never produces bitter fruit. Or bad fruit. Mercy doesn't do it. Worldliness produces bitterness. Worldliness produces bad fruit. Mercy never produces bad fruit. So we, we see here, Paul, he, he's, I mean, uh, James is building as he's walking through this. So wisdom being first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits. He says then, unwavering. Now, that, that is a faithfulness to principles. The unwavering, 
the wisdom from above is, un, is unwavering. It's, it's based on principle. It's faithful to those principles. It'd be as if, if I'm going to be unwavering in wisdom, it would mean that as I read the Word of God, I don't pick a verse of Scripture that can, I can gain position with and use it to set my life in a direction that I want to and, and avoid all the contextual information around that. Have you ever seen anybody do that? They pick one verse out. And that's their verse, and, and they took it out of context. I've seen that happen many times. That they, they take one verse, out, and that's, that's, that would be wavering, not unwavering. But unwavering is, is making sound biblical decisions and standing by them. Unwavering. And that's what wisdom from above will do. It will bring us in alignment with God's Word and will stand wholeheartedly on the Word of God. Not wavering, but standing there. Our, R.V. Dale says, R.W. Dale says this, describing one who has worldly wisdom. He says, it makes him as shifty as a politician. He sets his sails to the prevailing wind. He speaks well of a man one day whom he spoke ill of yesterday. Not because the man was changed, but yesterday there was no gain by speaking well of him. And today there is. That's unwavering. That's wavering, not unwavering. So wavering and, and changing and James talks about it. He says, uh, you're unstable when you're a doubly-minded person, when you can be this way in this group and that way in that group. I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, we ought to be the same every single day. The Spirit of God doesn't change. It doesn't matter what arena you put me in. It doesn't matter what arena you're in. We ought to stand for King Jesus. We shouldn't change because we're in a different crowd. We shouldn't act churchy on Sunday and worldly on Monday. We ought to act the same every day. And that's a, that is a call to all of us. And all of us have failed at that, okay? I, I believe. Maybe, maybe I'm lumping you all in a, in, a, in a mold I shouldn't. But I believe all of us are capable of failing at that. We're capable of getting in one crowd and acting one way and another crowd and acting another way. But James says you're unstable in all your ways. Tossed to and fro by every wind that comes. I mean, basically is what he's saying there. We're just, we're driven by whatever comes around us. And we shouldn't be that way. Unwavering, he says. And then he says, without hypocrisy. So we've got first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. What is, what is a hypocrite? The hypocrite is a double person, natural and artificial. The first he keeps to himself and the other he puts on as he does his clothes to make an appearance before men. A hypocrite has been, is one who can be divided into four classes. I want to read this. This is out of a commentary. I like the way it laid it out, so I want you to hear it. It says this, the worldly hypocrite who makes a profession of religion and pretends to be religious merely from worldly considerations. Matthew 23, 5 talks about that. The second kind of hypocrite is the legal hypocrite who relinquishes his uh, vicious practices in order thereby to merit heaven, while at the same time having no real love for God, Romans 10.3. The evangelical hypocrite, whose religion is nothing more than a bare conviction of sin, who rejoices under the idea that Christ died for him, yet has no desire to live a holy life, Matthew 13.20. The enthusiastic hypocrite, who has an imaginary sight of his sins, and of Christ who talks of re remarkable impulses and high feelings, etc., while living in the most scandalous practices, 
Second Chronicles eleven fourteen. To be real, true, and genuine is wisdom that comes from above. To be a hypocrite is wisdom that comes from the earth. So, so James is laying it out here. He's, I mean, he's setting us apart from the wisdom of the world and the wisdom that comes from heaven. So, so we can see those things. It's kind of like the fruits of wisdom. First pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And then he says that, that, that wisdom from above is the seedbed of righteousness. Wisdom from above is the seedbed of righteousness. How do you get that? Well, look at verse 18 with me. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So what James is saying, you reap what you sow. If you sow peace, love, joy, happy, you're going to get the fruit of the Spirit. And, and if you want wisdom, if you're sowing wisdom, if you're sowing heavenly wisdom, the seed that you sow brings forth the fruit that is sown. From that seed, it's got to be. So if you want righteousness, if you want righteousness to come, you have to sow righteousness, the righteous seed. If you want heavenly wisdom to come in your life and you want to live by heavenly wisdom, you have to receive heavenly wisdom. It has to be planted in your life. And when heavenly wisdom is planted in your life, the result, the fruit of that, as we live by that, the fruit of that is is a fruit that produces righteousness and it's sown in peace to those who make peace. One will always reap what he sows. Proverbs 11.30 says, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and who wins souls is wise. Righteousness can only grow in a certain environment, and the environment in which righteousness grows is peace and humility. When we have peace and humility, righteousness can grow in our life instead of bitter envy and self-seeking. So let me ask you tonight, what type, of, what type of wisdom do you have mostly in your life? Is the wisdom that you're tapped into, the recommendations of the world, is it the wisdom of the world? Is it, is it what is most popular around you? Is it, is it changing because it depends on where you are, who you're with? Does the wisdom that you're receiving or applying to your life, is it circumstantial? Is it situational? Or is it continually coming from God? Because when that wisdom comes into our life, when the wisdom of God comes into our life, it bears the fruit. And it guides us. It changes us. It redirects us. It focuses us to be the men and women God called us to be. And, And I'm telling you, church, every single one of us in this room have the opportunity to have this kind of wisdom in our life. All we have to do is seek it. Johnny Hunt said, the wisdom that we need is not that of the world. It is God's wisdom that leads a man to his creator and enables him to see life from an eternal perspective. Proverbs 3.13 says, happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. Self-seeking and a life filled with with envy are not going to produce righteousness required for a relationship with the Father in heaven. So how do we get the wisdom from above? Ask. Ask. I just want to encourage you, church, every single day, I believe of my life since I've been saved, one thing that's been included in, maybe I've missed some days, it's just been so continual, it's been such a heart's desire of mine 
I believe almost every day of my life, if not every day, I've asked God at some point in time on that day, God, give me wisdom. God, I, I, I know what I would do in this circumstance, but I need to know what you would do. I need to die, and you need to rise. I need your wisdom. If I don't have your wisdom, I'm going to mess this one up. Lord, I'm leading a family. I'm leading kids. I'm leading my wife. I'm, I'm, I'm the head of my house. I need wisdom. Lord, I, I've led an industry, and when I've led an industry, I needed wisdom to make good and godly decisions that would benefit others that worked under me. When I come into the ministry scene, I need wisdom from above. I, I don't need the wisdom of the world. I don't, I don't need the latest fad or direction. I, I don't need to hear all the things that's the best and of the best for according to how the world would do this. I need to know what God wants to do. I'm telling you, if I'll do what God wants to do, it's going to work out well. And it's the same with my life. It's the same with your life. We need heavenly wisdom. And I promise you this. I, I've made some bad decisions. Have you ever made a bad decision? I own mine. I've made some. I can tell you all about it. We need another hour or two or three or four. I've made some bad decisions in my life. And I look back over the history of my life. But I've made some good ones too. And the good ones I've made, I know, have been because I asked for wisdom from God. I listened to Him and I followed through with what He called me to do. And, and that's, that's the thing. We have to be people who are not only, not only asking for it, but receiving of it and then applying it to our life and to those around us. So let's, let's gain some wisdom. Not from this world, but from above. Father, thank you for the time we've had together tonight. I, I thank you, Father, for the privilege to preach your word and just to come together tonight. What a blessing it is. Father, I pray that as we walk out of these doors tonight and go into uh, the work world ahead of us or whatever lies before us this week, God, that you give us wisdom. It's first pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable. All those things, God, that it would produce fruit in our life, fruit of righteousness, fruit of good decisions, good direction, fruit of handling our relationships well, managing our life well. Ultimately, Father, that we would be a good witness for you in this world. Through the decisions we make, through the actions we take, I pray, God, that we would exalt your name, we would glorify you, Jesus, and we'd live the life you've called us to. Father, forgive us where we failed you. Help us to walk wise leaving this place tonight. And I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Amen. Have a great night, guys. Appreciate y'all.